this is Michael Instead, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project. You are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're back on our podcast series entitled The Life in Christ, where we are walking through the book of Philippians. Today, we're going to be on chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. And Pastor Chad and myself are going to be discussing the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is the sort of focal point of Mm -hmm. this entire section here today, is it not, Chad? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're looking at really a a great um, breakdown from Paul about the theology of progressive sanctification Mm -hmm. and what that looks like, what that means, how that functions in the Christian's life. And so hopefully this will be helpful today because after justification, once you are saved in Christ, Mm -hmm. the rest of our lives is about progressive sanctification. That's right. You know, I was talking to the guys and and people in our addiction program last night uh, for our life skills class. I'm teaching them on the components of salvation. And it's been pretty eye-opening for them because, you know, like most of us, when Mm. when we first get saved or we're not really, you know, thoroughly taught, um, scripturally speaking, we just sort of think of salvation. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. saved, right? That's that's all there is to it. It's like yes and no. Like yes, that is true. That's all there is to it, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that you know we can really begin to understand the depth and the richness and fullness of our salvation is to really compartmentalize it, you know, mm-hmm. and study it as the Bible puts it forward because it does refer to salvation in a number of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so progressive sanctification really is what we're concerned with for the rest of our Christian life. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that we're somehow working up to this place where we become acceptable in God's sight. Yeah. Right? And that's what I was stressing to these guys last night. It's like progressive sanctification does not mean that we're somehow becoming acceptable in God's sight. No, 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 no. When you were justified, accepted in the beloved immediately, mm. and you are positionally sanctified, meaning you're positionally now set apart in eternity to where if you were to die the second you were saved, boom, you're there. You're with God. Thief on the cross. <laughs> yeah. I get that question all the time. Well, what about the thief? He didn't do all those things that we're told we're supposed to do as Christians. Yeah, because he died an hour later. Yeah. I mean, his progressive <laughs> sanctification was quick, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, was, I brought him up last night, Chad. Mm-hmm. Here's what I said. I said, somehow in the sovereignty of God, God used all of that man's wicked decisions that that man made freely to get himself nailed to a cross and guess where God sovereignly placed him? To the best next door neighbor you could ever have on a cross, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I mean, wow, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about, you know, getting it in at the very last second, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yet that's that's our God, right? I mean, it's never over. And as we're gonna see today, the Apostle Paul thought about his life in that sense. It was It's never gonna be over until it's over. Mm-hmm. I have never arrived I've never reached the final phase of my life where it doesn't matter what I do anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how Paul viewed his life in ministry. We're certainly going to talk about the mindset of Paul and also what he says in terms of how we should be thinking, right, if we're mature Mm -hmm. in Christ. Because the way that this section connects back to the whole of the book of Philippians is it's really just the, the conclusions that... Uh, it, it really reaches the conclusion that he's been putting forward so far. There's really two categories of people, right? You have believers and non-believers, but even within the believing realm, you've got these people who are a little bit more mature, spiritually speaking, than others. And that's what he's talking about today. 
And what he's going to focus on is the mindset of mature believers versus the mindset of immature believers and even enemies of the cross, as he says in verse um, 18. And so with all that being said, let's read the text, shall we, Chad? Mm -hmm. All right, I'll read the first six verses, uh, and then you finish us off. All right, Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12, says this, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, think this way. And if in anything you think differently, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep walking in step with the same standard to which we have already attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they have glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Wow. What a glorious finish. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. So let's go back up to the top. Now, basically what Paul is, is referring to here is the tremendous amount of effort that it takes to really become a mature Christian. Now, let me just say this at the outset. When we say mature Christian, we're not talking about a class of super Christians. We're talking about a person who has walked with the Lord for some time, mm -hmm. right? This is not like an optional thing. This is what happens the longer you walk with the Lord, the longer you are progressively sanctified. Mm -hmm. You should be growing up into your salvation, right? Right. This is 1 Peter chapter 2. So that's what he means when he says the word translated here in verse 12 and also in verse 15, perfect. That word literally is the word teleo, which means to bring to an end or to complete as a race or a course. It also means to consummate, reaching the end stage. And it's an interesting illustration that will help us understand this. Imagine like an old pirate telescope. Mm. You guys may remember on cartoons or, or even Jack Sparrow, right? I think he may have had one of these, where the telescope had to be pulled out and extended to its you know furthest end. And it, it kind of had like these little stages that you clicked as you were pulling it out. Well, teleo, what does that word sound like? Tel telescope, right? Yeah. So that's just a good illustration for what this word is, is trying to um, portray for us, that there are these various stages of life um, that everyone can understand. We don't, we're not born mature adults, right? Mm -hmm. The longer we live life, the more we learn, the more we grow, the more we know how to carry ourselves in life. And so that's, that's the idea behind what Paul is saying here. Mm -hmm. Now, going to verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained it. That's the word lambano, which is going to take on more significance in a bit. But what is he referring to there? Obtaining what? Right. He's talking about the glorification that comes 
with Christ, meaning mm. a perfection, a because it reminds us back to everything that Scripture is, teaches us, especially in the Gospels and through the Gospel, but that we are, the whole point of salvation, even Romans eight twenty eight reminds us that, you know, whatever, like God uses all things for the good of those who love him. For verse 29 says, the purpose of that is that we may be conformed to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. So what Paul's talking about here is that he's not already obtained this perfection of being like Christ. Mm-hmm. Like he's still a man, still sinful. Mm-hmm. We all are. Because he, in verse 20, he crescendos this whole section mm-hmm. with the glorification that comes mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. At the end, our citizenship is in heaven. Like that's the goal that we that's strain it. towards. Yeah. Right? That's the hope, right? Yeah, that's the hope. That's what gives us light at the end of the tunnel when we're in the darkest periods of our life, right? Mm-hmm. But even more specific to the immediate context, he's talking about obtaining the resurrection of the dead, but also leaving all the stuff that he was focused on attaining beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in verses uh, 1 through 8, he's talking about how he had all these accolades, right, mm-hmm. that gave him some measure of like status and righteousness, right? And he said in verse 8, I count all those things as excrement you know, food to be thrown to the dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Who want them, right? Mm-hmm. He's, I don't want any of these things. I want to know Christ, he says in verse 10, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Yeah, There's that crescendo, right? And so he hasn't already obtained that mm-hmm. or already become perfect, already become fully mature. Right. But he says, I press on, so that, here's the reason why I press on, guys, I may lay hold of katalambano, an intensified form of the word that was translated obtained it. So there's this progression here in intensity that Paul is deliberately putting down. Mm-hmm. He says, but I press on so that I may intensely lay hold of that for which I was also intensely laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now that's a beautiful thing to stop and meditate on for yeah. just a minute. Do you realize, listener, that Jesus Christ has intensely laid hold of you? Yeah, he's possessed you. I'm reading this book on holiness. And, um, you know, the argument by like Immanuel Kant would be a philosopher. is like God's holiness keeps him separate from creation. Like he's unattainable. And the Bible directly opposes that Mm -hmm. in that his holiness is brought into his creation through Christ. Yeah. When he lays hold of us, you're made holy. He, he makes his creation holy because his his holiness necessitates it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why we get his wrath towards sin and his grace and, and the need for the Savior, a need for a um, sacrifice mm-hmm. to, to satisfy his justice because he is holy. Which Holy. is, by the way, the expression of God's love. Exactly. Now, holiness has two definitions, the primary being set apart and different than, right? Which a lot of times we focus on. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't relate to, or I don't understand this God, right? Or like, and in some ways, rightly, because of our sin, we feel as if, man, I can't be even in relationship. I don't even yeah. understand this relationship. Which that's not what Paul is talking about because this, what Mike just brought up, this that Christ has taken hold of, that God's holiness is imparted or imputed to us yeah. through Christ 
that he has taken possession. Yeah. Right? This is God's sovereignty and salvation. And we're in his hand. He takes it despite us mm-hmm. because his character, when when introduced to us, necessitates it. Yes. Right? Which is why progressive sanctification is so true and real. Knowing that Christ has obtained us, has taken hold of us, if we have, if he opens our eyes and gives us a saving faith so that we may look upon him and be made justified in salvation through the imputation, he's the perpetuation, you know. Yeah, the, how many theological words <laughs> you dropping on us? <laughs> I'm just saying all the things that we see all throughout Scripture, right? right, right? right. If he does that, and he, his righteousness then becomes imputed upon us or accredited to us, yeah. given to us, then we necessarily will display a desire for yeah. and a straining towards. Amen. Because our affections are completely changed and have to be. Mm-hmm. Which really brings us, you know, Matthew 7, where Jesus says, you know a tree by its fruit. Mm-hmm. So what Jesus constantly puts together, like those who know me and those who love me, those who are mine will obey my commands. Right. My sheep will hear my voice and come to me. A tree will bear good fruit. We cannot say that we have been justified in Christ if there's a if there's no desire to strain towards this goal. Yeah. And I think that's what Paul is trying to display here in in his language for the Philippians. Like, hey, I haven't obtained it yet. And we're not going to be made perfect in this life, but there is a striving, a straining, a progression of Christ likeness that is happening mm-hmm. within my life as I continue to strain towards the goal, knowing that glorification, like the full, the fullness of that perfection, will happen in heaven. Yeah, it will. It will happen one day. Yeah, and that's the that's the driving force within the person. Right. right? Just to just to piggyback on something you had said earlier, because that's that's right. I mean, we said this before on this podcast, but we'll say it again. What what Chad's just described is that flow of God's life vertically down into you and then out through you horizontally. That's it. And some of the some of the main sort of objections you would hear if you were living in the first century by, you know, this group called the Gnostics would be things like, well, you know, the body's actually inherently evil, but the spirit is inherently good. So therefore, it doesn't really matter what I do. Mm-hmm. That was the first century sort of version of that. And there's a couple other ones that the apostle John and his first letter actually combats. He says this in chapter one, verse six, if we say that we have fellowship with him, meaning Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now that was very likely something that those Gnostics were saying. Well, I have fellowship with God. It doesn't really matter how I live. Well, here's what John would say. If you say that and yet you walk in darkness, you lie and you don't do the truth. You're a yeah. liar, right? Yeah. You can't because God is light and in him there is no darkness at all, is what mm-hmm. John says. Therefore, if you have fellowship with God, you will be like God. Now, mm-hmm. are we going to be absolutely perfect? No, but that's what that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about, right? Mm-hmm. He strains forward to that one eventual day when he will be perfected. Mm-hmm. He will be fully matured. He will be brought to the end stage, which is this, to be fully unified with God, with Christ, in spirit and in body. Yeah. Right now, we're already unified with him in spirit. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 tell us that. Yeah. We are unified immediately when we're saved. But this body, as he says in verse 21 of our text today, this body of our humble state 
has not yet been in, brought into conformity with the body of his glory. Yeah. You see, we're not there yet, guys and girls. We're not there yet. And Paul knew this. That's what he's saying. Yeah. He says, I, I don't consider myself as having yet laid hold of this that I desire. Moving on now to verse 13. But here's what I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now that word is the climax of the Lambano, Catalambano progression in intensity. And this word is a different Greek word, which means to extend as far as to strain. And this is the only time it's used in the Bible. A similar word would be when Jesus says, strive to mm. enter through the narrow gate. Yeah. Agonizo, right? Agonize, strive to the point of agonizing, right? Right. This is the same idea. Mm -hmm. You stretch so far that you strain your upper back, right? Mm -hmm. Your shoulder pops out of socket, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's that aggressive. It's that aggressive. Now, this has some implications for our life, mm -hmm. right? Because verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize, which is glorification, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what are the implications for our life? Do you think that way? Mm -hmm. Do you view your life that way? Yeah. Are you approaching your life in Christ with that level of intensity. Mm -hmm. And you might go, well, I mean, no, but I'm also not the Apostle Paul. That's right, you're not. But yeah. you know what you are? You're a child of God. Yeah, it reminds me of Second uh, Peter 1, where he opens that letter, and he says, to those who have the same righteousness that we yes. have. It's the same exact salvation of the apostles. There's equality at the foot of the cross. And sometimes I think we use that as an excuse that, well, he's the Apostle Paul. Like, he's different. That's not, like, it's okay for me to settle for a lesser than version of right. Christianity. And there is no different versions. Right. There, there's those who are, everyone is being sanctified and maturing in Christ. There's those who have more maturity and have been more sanctified. And there's those who are, maybe new in their faith and are 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 starting that journey of of the race but mm -hmm. there is no different salvation there is no different gospel and um and it, it brings me to verse 13 there again where he talks about forgetting what lies behind and that that original word there means this idea of neglecting or to overlook purposefully it's not that you forget your past in terms of you don't remember what happened. But it's it, it has a twofold sort of meaning in terms of not allowing the shame of your sin to to um, impact your beliefs as if, well, I can't do that because, you know, I've done so much and God just can't be happy with me. That's a false reality and that's a that's actually minimizing the gospel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a, that's as if you could do more or need to be more in order for God to love you and to save you that's um you need to repent of that it's actually pride mm -hmm. um and i know you know i say that with a lot of um grief for you because I, I know there's a lot of things that you know shame feels very mm -hmm. um all invasive and very difficult yeah, very heavy but I, I say that as like i hope that's a joy for you like put that away it's, yeah. that's not true yeah what christ did true. is enough and then there's the other side of still loving the world and nostalgia mm -hmm. of like, I mean, I want Christ, but I still kind of want some of that past. Mm -hmm. I still want it. And we'll get to some of these false teachers in a moment. Yeah. That's what Paul's talking about. It's like, ah, that, or, 
Or like the um, Israelites when they come out of Egypt and like, you brought us out here to die. Like, we'd rather go back and be a slave. At least we had food to eat. You know, right. like this, this idea of like the hardship of the suffering of a Christian as if that's not what I signed up for. All right. those things, what Paul is saying is forget that. Neglect that. Put that away. Don't think upon those things. But be present and strive toward the upward call. Not as if you already can you can obtain it in this life, but as long as you live in this life, there should be, as Mike said, that straining, that that effort, that desire, because you believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's re- that's the that's the motivating factor. Do I love Christ for who He is? Do I want Christ in who He is alone? Is that who I want to be, my Lord and my Savior? Do I believe that with everything that I have? And um, I think when we examine that, a lot of times the answer is no. Right. I'm trying to find it in Ecclesiastes, but when we when we live in the past nostalgically, there's this assumption that somehow that was better than what's coming down the line. Yeah. And the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer Solomon would tell us when we think that way, when we say those kinds of things, we don't say that from a heart of wisdom. Yeah. Right. We shouldn't say those kinds of things. Yeah. We don't know what's happening next. We have no idea what's mm-hmm. coming down the line. Right. Or also, I get a lot of the comments in the counseling room of like regrets. Like I wish I would have. If I yeah. would have, then I then this would be. Mm-hmm. Those are also not from a place of wisdom. First of all, if God's sovereign, where you're at is where you're going to be. Right. A number and yes, you've probably made some a lot of sinful choices, and that's true. But to say that if you would have made a better choice that you know what the outcome would have been. Right. We do not know. Yeah, you you might not have the problems you currently have, but maybe you would have got maybe the Lord would have given you cancer for a trial. Maybe yeah. like you just don't know. No idea. So it's don't not from know. wisdom that we speak like that. And also one final note on that on that note, <laughs> um, that we can't also look at our past of achievements and think that that is going to somehow um, get us closer to what Paul is saying he's straining towards here, right? Because in the context of what Paul's mm-hmm. talking about, he had tremendous achievements in the eyes of the world, the secular world, especially the Judaistic world, right? Mm-hmm. Here was a man who was educated at the highest level secularly mm-hmm. as well as religiously. He went to one of the universities in Tarsus, which was on par with the with the Alexandrian library. I mean, this dude grew up with all the accolades, right? Mm. And yet he did not consider any of those things as qualifying him for the work that God had set him apart to do, right? right. And so what we've been speaking about thus far is really more of the negative you mm. know, sort of things. But we have to also watch out, you know, academic achievements, uh, you know, military achievements, uh, mm. corporate type of achievements, all, any achievement, right? None of that qualifies you to be useful in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Doesn't mean those things aren't helpful. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue those things. But the point is we have to remember that the human heart is a heart that is always trying to find pride. It's yeah, always trying to, always. in pride, I should say, find status. Or uh, marriage. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, uh, if I could just, I'm so lonely. If I could just get married, right. life will be good. Life will be good. Marriage is a guy made marriage. But you can certainly make that a God. Right. And and not worship the one true God, but worship yourself through it, and that will only bring destruction. Right. Now, I want to talk a little bit to this idea of straining, of effort, right? Because one of the things you hear in today's cultural vernacular is you got to let go and let God. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> you need to strain, and you need to work very hard 
in this thing called the Christian life. Now, as soon as I say that, people's red flags start popping up who come from the hyper-grace movement. Works-based. You said the word work. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, works-based. Yeah, but Paul says you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who yeah. is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. But so, what is that work, Mike? Don't be scared of working hard, right? Yeah, but what is that work? Let's let's think about biblically because right. it's not we're not we're not saying religion. Well, let me use Jesus' words yeah, go himself. Ahead. Let's see go what ahead. our Lord says. That's right. Okay, so we get saved. How does that begin? Well, the words from the book of Luke, chapter nine, verse twenty-three. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. You know how heavy those things were. Mm-hmm. Take up his cross daily and follow me. All of the verbs there require action on my part. They, they all require effort on my part, right? I have to come after him. I have to deny myself. I have to pick up my cross daily and follow him. Then in the 62nd verse of the ninth chapter, he says, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Yeah. You see, Paul knew that. Paul got this. He mm-hmm. picked it up. It was pretty, pretty straightforward to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus furthermore says in Luke 14, verses 25 through 33, where he goes over the cost of discipleship. If you love anything more in your life other than me, you're not worthy to be my disciple, Mm -hmm. right? In the context of personal relationships. Mm -hmm. And then he says in verse 33, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his possessions. Mm -hmm. Those possessions that would keep you from being singularly focused on that upward call in Christ, get rid of them. Get rid of them immediately. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example from my own life. I was really, really interested in learning about real estate investing. Mm-hmm. Super interested. It started to immerse myself in it because that's what I do when I get interested. I get possibly way too immersed in things. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's an intensity that I have. You know what God did? He basically let, laid it down. Look, I'm calling you to ministry. Are you going to have one foot over here and one foot over here? Are you going to go all in with me? I'm going. My mind's not up for sale. I'm going all in with you, Lord. Right, I put that stuff behind me. I was telling a friend of mine all the things that I said I was never going to do, as far as my investing, you know, retirement stuff is concerned. I'm doing now. <laughs> Why? Because I don't have to put too much effort into it. Mm-hmm. I just go, you know what? I'm going to be wise. Right? These things are proven. I'm not being yeah. an idiot. But I'm also focused singularly on what God is calling me to do. And I'm not trying to puff myself up. I'm just giving my giving an example. Yeah. That's what Paul is saying here. He could have had a great life doing this other thing in Judaism. Or he could have been yeah. like Peter. Could have kind of like, you know, tried to massage the, the Jewish crowd. Like, hey, you know, it's all right. You know, I can sit with you guys when you guys are here. And then when they leave, he goes and sits with the Gentiles, right? Mm-hmm. Paul said, no, I'm a man of conviction. I'm going to live the way the gospel tells me to live, yeah. right? And he calls out Peter. Yeah, That's the point, listener. We need to be all in, recklessly abandoned to Christ according to his word because we love him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that striving. When we so when we talk about the works, I know when the ears perk up, it's because immediately you think about fundamentalism or some sort of religiosity, like got to go to church three days a week. Got to wear this, a suit and tie. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> what we're talking about is, do you kill sin every day? Yeah. Do you repent of your sin every day? Do you hate your flesh? Do you desire to know God? Do you spend time in his word to know him and obey him? That's the the striving towards the Lord, Yeah. right? So when we're talking about works, that's what we're talking about. Now, of course, out of that comes 
all the other implications, certainly to, to be a part of a church, to serve the body, to, there, there are other things that come out at the fruit of that. Right. But it begins with the, the put off, put on principle of putting off your sin, repenting of it, renewing your mind in the word of God and putting on in righteousness, the things of God. Yes. That's the working out of your salvation. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. And notice what he says in verse 15. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect or mature, some translations say, Mm -hmm. think this way. Yeah. Here it is. It starts in the mind, y'all. You got to think this way. And here's what he says Mm -hmm. in the rest of the verse. And if in anything you think differently, God will reveal that also to you. Mm -hmm. Now, that's an interesting statement there, Chad, because what he says is if you focus your mind on the things of God, okay, you are going to become consciously aware of the things that you think about that are not of God. Mm -hmm. You see? Mm -hmm. If we don't focus on the things of God, the holiness of God, then everything becomes profane. Everything is common. Everything is of the world, right? But the second we put our minds in heaven where Christ is, we recognize the distinction. Yeah. That's what he means. Yeah. That's right. It's a shedding light on or a revealing of the truth of our hearts. It's not whether or not are you sinful in your thinking. It's how are you sinful in your thinking. Right. It's there. Mm -hmm. It's there. And so that's why the Bible repeatedly in the epistles tells us to focus our minds on Christ, where he is in Mm -hmm. heaven. There's so many ways that it tells us to do that, but that's why. Because when we focus on the holy, the unholy becomes obvious. Mm. It's not hard to understand. It's literally black and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and I'm a black and white guy, so it's quite easy for me to understand. But really, it's easy for anybody to understand. Yeah. Because Christ is so set apart. He's so different. He, his, his nature is so unlike our nature that it's obvious to see who God is yeah. and revealed in the face of Christ. Now, he's not so set apart and so different that we cannot relate to him. No, we've been made in the image of God, mm-hmm. right? So th- this is the tension that Paul's existing in in this passage here. How, how does something that is so base, mm-hmm. right, the human nature, so profane, be elevated to this place of, of holiness? Mm-hmm. There's, only one pl- there's only one way to do it. It's through Christ. It's through his spirit dwelling in you. It's through you exerting tremendous effort in the things of yeah. God by the power that he puts in you. Yeah. And so a simple question, I know some of this maybe hasn't sounded as simple, is just, do you really love Christ above everything else? That's really just the question. Do Mm -hmm. I desire the glory of God? Do I really want to please my Savior? Right? Like, just asking that question. When I think about my day, is my thought upon how do I please the Lord... Or is my whole day wrapped around how do I please myself? Mm-hmm. You know, stop lying to ourselves, right, and having a sober mind. And he he gets into verse 17, you know, crosses into um, really calling that out in some of those who are false uh, among him, mm-hmm. um, 17 and 18. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Meaning, and we'll talk about that, like that's what the church is, right? That mature believers are to be an example to the immature believers and to disciple those who are 
new to their faith or who are growing in their faith. Yeah. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Yeah. Many among you walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow. What an amazing passage. I mean, mm -hmm. here's his pastoral heart. You know, Paul was yeah. not a stoic. He was not a disconnected person from mm -hmm. his flock. I mean, he was in it with them. He loved them all. He's saying those are there's many among you who are, the context of this are either the Judaizers, Judaizers or the uh, Gentile Libertines. Mm -hmm. I say it that way. I don't know if it's Libertines. A, Libertines. 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 And um, they're not uh, false. They're not easily to see that they're false. Is right. what Paul's trying to say. Is they, you think they're part of you and they live among you, but they're they're twisting the scriptures. They're giving you something false. The so Judaizers are putting more worth in the works of Judaism, the law, and, and keeping the law and dietary restrictions. That's where we get, you know, like where he's talking about the God of their belly. Mm -hmm. He's either speaking about the Judaizers, and it's it's fantastic how he's putting it because it really speaks to both, yeah. either side. Because they're, they're putting their um, their pride in that they keep these dietary restrictions and right, all the these things. Right, the ceremonial law and those yeah, types yeah. of things. But then the Gentile Libertines, they're they're putting they're gnostics like this this oh, separation of gross immorality and look at our freedom in Christ we don't yeah. have to worry about sin we're all saved it doesn't matter what we do yeah we the can body's evil anyways so. do whatever we want yada 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 yeah so the god of the belly could be speaking of either one of those yeah yeah that is good well at the end of the day it boils down to your satisfying self right because mm -hmm. the Judaizers are looking for self based righteousness the Gnostics in Paul's day were really like thinking that they were actually righteous in Christ but were completely satisfying self. Mm -hmm. So that's really how it boils down to. That's a, that's a good observation there, Chad. Mm -hmm. But notice where their minds are in verse 19. It says at the end, who set their thoughts on earthly things. Right. So we've got the difference then between the mind of a mature person in Christ mm -hmm. and the mind of an immature person in Christ mm -hmm. or of just a non-believer, right? Yeah. Because we did mention back in chapter 1, that there were some people in the Philippian congregation who were preaching Christ from impure motives. Yeah. Now, he does not refer to these people as non-believers. In fact, he calls them brothers in Christ. So that's why I say we, even in our salvation, mm -hmm. can begin to revert back to thinking like an unbeliever mm -hmm. when our minds are set on earthly things. And I have to say, that is a very real temptation mm -hmm. to Christians. Particularly, what the passage that comes to my mind is the parable of the sower. The third type of soil, the soil where the seed was sown in the soil that has thorns and thistles. The thorns and thistles are the, the worries of the world, the anxieties of the world, the, 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 the problems that come along with trying to amass wealth in this world. Mm -hmm. That chokes out the life of God and the believer, right? Yeah, and can render you ineffective for the kingdom of God. Totally, totally um, distracted <laughs> mm -hmm. from what you're supposed to be doing. Now go back to the real estate story, right? Mm -hmm. That was me trying to assert my own desire. And God says, what are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> Don't go down that path. Mm -hmm. Yes, dad. Absolutely, Father. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. By His grace. But we do that, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many Christians who do that. Absolutely. It's constant. And we twist we twist everything that God gives us in, in those ways. You know, uh, we'll take marriage as a husband. 
Um, the Bible says that my wife is to submit in all things, right? Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? We twist that. I want I want to be her God. I want her to respect me. I want her to serve me. But we twist that me, like no, me, me, no, no, me. no, no, no. I'm supposed to serve her. I'm supposed to lead her like I'm supposed to lead her and love her like Christ, which means I'm to sacrificially. I want her to love Christ. Mm-hmm. That should be my goal for her. But how easily do I twist that at times mm-hmm. to where now nah, I, I kind of want to be God? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this moment, or vice versa, or like you said, you know, earthly things like amassing wealth. And what do we do? We tell ourselves things a lot. Like, you know, I, I just want to make a lot because I just want to really be able to do a lot for the Lord. I want to give a lot to the. Church. I want to give a lot to the church, and you give very little. Because I never, I never get where get I think enough. I don't ever get enough. Yeah, Isn't if, that, it's interesting how you never quite arrive at your goal, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, those are just simple examples. But the, like, is it bad to work hard and and have wealth? No. no. Is it bad to be married? No. Is it is it wrong that your wife submit to you? No. But man, our prideful hearts. Right. When we set our minds on earthly things. We take what the Lord has given as gifts and we turn them into gods and right. it leads to destruction. And that's where that discernment comes in. You know, you always quote Spurgeon mm-hmm. where he says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong, but knowing the difference between right and almost right. That's right. And, and we do that, you know, and, and, I, and I'm okay with taking some time to talk about that because for the mm-hmm. Christian, that's where the battle really is going to be won or lost. That's right. That's it right there. And we have to get honest with ourselves. It's asking those heart level questions, those x-ray questions. Mm-hmm. Am I sinning in order to get this? Mm-hmm. If I'm not receiving what I think I should receive, do I sin in response to it? Those are two easy ways to see an idol. Yeah. Um, what do I strive for most? What do I want most in life? What makes me happiest? What makes me, what makes me feel good? What, mm. And when we answer those questions, if it's not truly Christ, then there's a sin, there's a sin there that we have to be honest mm-hmm. with ourselves. Stop. We have to stop deceiving ourselves. Pride is so blinding. Don't say it's Christ if it's not. Right. And Christ gives us those parameters. You can judge a tree by its fruit. You can say all day that I love my wife like Christ loves the church. But if I'm not pointing her towards Christ, I'm lying to myself. Mm-hmm. It is not true. Mm-hmm. If I'm not giving to the Lord, we'll take the financial example, now, in, in whatever I have, be it little or much, stop lying to yourself that you're trying to do something for the Lord. You're a liar. Mm-hmm. It is for you. You need to repent. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I know it sounds harsh, but that's just the truth of it. Well, I'll tell you what's harsher. What it says here in verse 19, that the enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction. Right? Yeah. So would you rather someone tell you what's really going on in your heart? Would you rather them quote-unquote, in love, not say anything and let you just go on to damnation. Is that what, is that what you want? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, really. That's what we're talking about. That's the seriousness of what we're talking about. And if about. that doesn't bring conviction, here's what that reveals about your heart. You don't really believe in God. Mm-hmm. You don't really believe in hell. That's not really what you... You really don't believe it if that doesn't strike fear in your heart. Mm-hmm. Or you think that God is less than what he actually is, what right. he claims to be. Right. Ah, he'll be okay with that. He understands me. Yeah. Oh, he understands you. Yeah, he gets but... you better than you do. He gets me better than I get myself. That's right. That's why we have to, brothers and sisters, look at the word, study the word, and submit our lives to the word. To the word. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Our experiences, our feelings, all of that stuff 
just throw that out the window. When it comes to what am I going to follow in my life, don't follow your feelings. Don't put undue weight in your experiences. Look at the word, study the word, and follow the word. And that's what Paul's getting at here is that this Christian life, it's a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but it's wonderful work. It's meaningful work, and it's going to pay off big. Let's get to the payoff. In verses 20 and 21, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait Mm. for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, now check it, that's a promise, That's right. who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity or likeness with the body of his glory. Mm-hmm. by his working through which he is able to even subject all things to himself. You know, I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to end it there. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 50, Paul says it, and he just ends with this triumphant glory here. He says in mm-hmm. verse 50, Now I say, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the corruptible inherit the incorruptible. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the mm-hmm. twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible must put on the incorruptible, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this corruptible puts on the incorruptible, and this mortal puts on immortality, then will come about the word which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Mm -hmm. Now the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is why we are straining towards the upward call, towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Because we know that our labor in Christ will not be in vain. There's a guaranteed return. Mm -hmm. You know what that is? Eternity united with God in spirit and in body. Mm -hmm. Chad, do you have any final words before we sign off today? Just like what a wonderful, awesome promise. Yeah. (laughs) If we get to have these glorified bodies in heaven with Christ, sin is gone. The the striving, because it is, I mean, it is a joyful work, but work has that connotation of we're tired. Toil. Toil. And man, it's difficult to constantly kill the flesh. Right. And one day that's going to be over. And if we store up treasures in heaven, you know, uh, I often joke, you know, I'm going to have a golden pontoon boat, baby. That's right. Gonna be- <laughs> I'm trying to get that lot next to Christ. <laughs> I think Paul's already got it. I say... If the Lord gives me a nice trailer and a pontoon boat, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. No, but it's just just to be in the presence of of the Lord. Oh yeah, is is a beautiful, wonderful promise that makes it worth the striving. Oh yeah, it's worth the striving. Amen and amen. Well, we thank y'all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.